Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Jada, Dundalk and Cavan. We have amazing offers available across new and pre-owned petrol, diesel, LPG, plug-in hybrid and electric Renault, Dacia and Opel range. Low APR and zero deposit packages available. See blackstonemotors.ie. You're very welcome to Late Lunch this Friday afternoon. Thanks for joining us once again on the show. Coming up over the next couple of hours, yes, we'll be looking ahead to the weekend in sport with Leon Blanche. I conclude my story of you two in words and song. Uh, Katrina Callan is joining us from the Bunnery. This woman bakes cakes and more. Besides, we'll be talking to Emily Oster about parenting pre-teens from the States this afternoon. But I want to begin by... Look, saying these words to you, you know, everybody must know at this stage. We're heading towards doomsday on this planet, mankind. The clock is ticking. Need I remind you, look at the UN report issued recently, all the scientists. All you have to do is check the news any day or night of the week and you'll see somewhere in the world is burning down or underwater and more besides. Well, my first guest today made a discovery about five years ago that ultimately changed the manner in which she and her family now live their lives. She's the woman behind the brilliant Living Lightly in Ireland website. I'm delighted to say hello to Elaine Butler today. Hello, Elaine. Hi, thanks so much for having me, Jerry. It's a pleasure to be here. Not at all, because I am keenly aware of what's over the hill if we don't do something. And I'm always anxious to talk to anybody who can, you know, prompt something with people listening to us today. Just remind us what happened to you, you know, those five years ago that this journey began for you. So I had been working in an environmental political party for about four years. And I had been diligently during that time putting my single-use coffee cup in the recycling bin, thinking I was doing a really good job. And then I discovered that the standard coffee cups weren't recyclable or compostable. I mean, we've had compostable ones come onto the market since then, but at this time there were none. And I just couldn't believe that I wasn't aware of that. And I wondered what else I wasn't aware about. So I started doing research. And because it's hard to keep all this information in your head, I started recording it in a blog. And then that became the website Living Lightly in Ireland. And really the whole goal of it is, if I'm going to go to the trouble of doing research, then I'm doing it so others don't have to. So Mm. if they want to know the answer, they can find it really quickly on the website because everyone's busy. And so the easier it is to make sustainable decisions, then the more likely it is people will do that. Now, we're familiar with the term and I can remember it being introduced here. I'm there that long (laughs) now in this seat. uh, Reduce, reuse, recycle. You like to focus on the reuse element of the three R's. 
Well, I think recycle has its part, but mm. even though it's better than landfill and incineration, it's still an environmentally damaging process. It still uses energy and water. And so if we can avoid it or minimize it, it's still a better way to go. And so reducing where we can't avoid waste is a good strategy, but reusing allows us to do that very easily. So, you know, the reusable coffee cup, the reusable bottle, reusable bags, reusable containers, um, because if you're somebody who uses single use coffee cups or you get a plastic bottle with water, think about how many of them you're accumulating over the year. And if you have a reusable version of that, you are saving all of that packaging and if everyone did that, I mean, we wouldn't be facing the climate chaos that we are. So, And it's quite an easy lifestyle change. It's accessible to most people. You know, I'm thinking about that and I have to put my hands up and say mea culpa. I'm big time. I recycle every single dot I can in our house. God help us if I wasn't there, what would happen? But that's for another discussion. Anyway, um, I'm just thinking here with water bottles. You know, the smaller water bottles, you'll buy them by the dozen or two dozen. Just thinking to contribute a little in what you say there. Even if you went for the big bottles, which are reusable container all the time, you're cutting down. Well, that's true. I mean, sometimes we can't avoid packaging completely. Yeah. And so it's better to buy the bulk version of something mm. or you could buy um, a concentrated version of something so that you're adding water to it. Because strangely enough, a lot of the products we buy are largely made of water. So a lot of cleaning products. And now there's a trend towards buying just the concentrate, either in powder form or sachets, and you put them into your cleaning bottle and you add water from your tap. And therefore, you're not paying for that water to be shipped across to Ireland. Mm. Um, and what we've started, we got recently, we've got a secondhand soda, soda stream machine um, because just sometimes you want carbonated water. And if somebody really likes carbonated water, that can be a really good way to avoid buying plastic bottles if, if, you're buying plastic water, bottles of water in order to buy carbonated water. So SodaStream is the good switch that people can make. There's still plastic involved, but overall, mm. there's less plastic than buying bottles every week. I can't believe this, but you did it. Two years went by and you bought nothing new for your children. What kind of a mammy are you, Elaine Butler? It's terrible, am I? I'm so cruel. <laughs> well, to be fair, birthdays and Christmases, like they get gifts from yeah. grandparents and uncles and stuff mm. like that. So, I mean, it's not like they were without anything completely new. But when it comes to clothing, I would always buy secondhand. Now, hand up, I had to buy new shorts recently because with COVID and the charity shops being closed, I wasn't able to get shorts from my son this summer. Yeah. Like normally, I'm quite organized. I'll buy in advance. So I generally buy a few months in advance. So I will be the person buying shorts in November in charity shops. That's me. And... <laughs> Stuff, I mean, I've bought stuff in charity shops that still has the labels on. Yeah. Or you and who every parent knows that they've had times where they've gone to the wardrobe, they've taken clothes down for their children and realized that they've grown past them. So a lot of clothes for kids are very lightly worn. Um, and so you can pick up brand new items or very lightly worn items for like two or three euro. Like really, the savings are massive. And I know some people think that living sustainably can be very expensive. And definitely there are some aspects, if you want to do them, that do cost more than the standard. But buying what I like to call second life goods rather than second hand, second hand tends to have a negative connotation to it. But second life goods, it's very economical. 
And I think our charity shops nowadays, for anyone who might not have shopped in them in the past, will, will be really surprised at how a lot of them have upped their game and they've really good quality merchandise. Um, mm. And so now not everything is new. Yes. School books, or sorry, not everything is secondhand. School books are new. Shoes tend to be new because with kids' feet, it can be hard to get the size yes. you want. But I wear secondhand shoes because I can find exactly what works for me. And they're generally ones that are very lightly worn. I'm not going to buy something where I see a footprint inside. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yes, <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Ah, that's understandable. And just to tell you, we had Siobhan O'Neill White on the show with us yesterday. She's uh, a mammy and she has a website called mams.ie and she did tell us that she picked up a number of books. Here's one for you. In charity shops, in great condition for the curriculum this year. So don't rule them out either, the charity shops. You will get school books in there. But look, come back to, to you for a moment um, and charity shops. And you are honest and you say this. I've seen you writing about it. You won't get everything there. But Here's the dilemma, and you've touched on this, I see, in the past as well. So take me, for example. Uh, I do uh, gander around the... I haven't got that big of a wardrobe, but my clothes, you know, say once, twice a year, fill the bags with stuff that I haven't used, I'm not going to use again, head and donate it to the charity shop. But here's the catch, Elaine Butler. I then have a little bit of room, and there's a vacuum, and you know what fills a vacuum? More new clothes. Is that the problem? How do we get round that? Well, if you're wearing every garment in your wardrobe and you're getting full use out of it, then I would say it's not a problem. Mm. The difficulty is that generally all of us have more clothes than we wear and we're changing our clothes more frequently. Um, I did a talk in a school a while ago and the jumper I was wearing was older than the people in the audience. And I think that that's quite unusual nowadays for a lot of people. Um, and it also isn't helped by the fact that you're getting changes in this, you know, the fashion more frequently, like you're getting four collections a year, if not more. So I, if you know, if I could wave my magic wand, I might put a rule in place that you're only allowed to donate to charity shops if you buy in them, that you get a one for one. So because an awful lot of people donate to charity shops, but they don't shop in them. Yeah. And we have a glut of clothing that is being incinerated on a daily basis. And that is, you know, like if that's wasteful and it's not like a good use for our resources, but when we're facing more uh, you know, extreme weather conditions and, you know, I saw a great phrase that said that humanity is the first species to invent DIY extinction. And that's sort of what we're facing. So in the grand scheme of things, do we really need a new top? Mm. Or is there a top that we're happy to continue wearing or we could change it up or whatever? So I think it's really important that we shop consciously. Mm. If you really need something new, you have an interview coming up and you want to look well and this is going to give you confidence and you think it's really important, at least you've thought about it. Mm. Um, But first, before you go and you buy new, you may not find what you need in a charity shop, but at least go into one and have a look. You might be surprised. If you don't get it, you don't get it. But still, I think it's worth starting to dip your toe into the water of looking in charity shops before you go and you buy new. So by extension, is there a case to be made for retailers and department stores and multiples who sell clothing to have a section for pre-loved? I think that would be fabulous. And in a way, I wish it was a they were it was obligatory because they can do it. And you're seeing more and more businesses, particularly in the UK and in Europe, 
who were started to do this. And there's a shop in Galway. And actually, I'm trying to I remember the name on, on them. Um, I had it on my Instagram account. And they have new and pre-loved as the sub subheading below their business name. And that's what I'd love to see because like and there's lots of online places where you can get second life uh, clothing and and platforms but in charity shops it's a bit of hit and miss like you can have something that's quite boho mm. behind the side something that's classic and if you know your style and you want to go into a shop stocks that style and whether it's you know if it's in really good condition second life beside new like what does it matter you know you're probably going to get it at a discounted price because it's secondhand but uh, i'd rather go into a store that i know i like their stuff and they're doing something good for my kids future by stocking pre-loved um and so i'm happy to support them so like i see that as a win-win-win because they're also able to get merchandise at a reduced price because oftentimes people are really happy to donate for free or to sell for a low price. So they're getting stock at a reduced price. Um, so I would love to see that being obligatory because unfortunately the retailers seem to be very slow off the mark on that regard. Mm, it would be a, a significant change indeed. You mentioned your children there and I know they've bought into this and, and they can see, they see what's coming, as I said earlier on, over the hill in the future for mankind and womankind if there is not severe change and change fast. But I'll ask you this, um, there's a lot of people don't get this still and people live for today. You know, it's a human trait. It's within us, you know, cap DM, live for the moment or whatever. Do you feel the messages sinking in? So I do and I don't. So I'm involved in advising businesses as well. And actually, I think that they're moving a lot more. And I think that's because they can they know the legislation that's coming down the track. And to be fair, it's coming from Europe. It's not really homegrown. And so they're going to have to shift um, unless they uh, or they're going to have to face fines or a carbon tax. And so they're getting ready. And so it will become easier for members of the public to just do it without thinking. But, you know, I was at a cafe recently, a really good cafe with a really sustainably minded owner, and they give ceramic cups out to people as a default to drink from. So the customer has to ask for a single use takeaway cup. And they still are. And when I was there, I would say 85% of all the customers sitting down, having a coffee, were drinking out of single-use coffee cups. And that's from a cafe that takes reusable cups and also offers ceramic cups, which is a a form of reusable cup, um, and does the reusables as default. I don't understand that. I don't understand why people would do that. Maybe it's because it keeps their coffee warmer, but then bring your reusable cup because they're very good at keeping tea and coffee warm. So I don't see there's enough change in people. It's slowly changing, but we don't have a lot of time. This is the issue. So businesses are beginning to move and maybe there will be a tipping point. I'm really hoping there'll be a tipping point because the alternative really doesn't bear thinking. And I generally don't dwell on that much because you would just you know, get really stressed about it. Mm. But I'm hoping, I'm hoping that people are beginning to change. You know, I've taken two big messages from you today that I've just put in my 
mine to keep with me and that is the recycling and you know that it's not all it's cracked up to be and we should cut down uh, that's number one especially on the plastic use there as well like I, I think that is, that is a brilliant suggestion um, and you know the uh, stores and you know this uh, you know economic circle they call it I think the circular economy is something that needs to be yes developed as well but look just before you go I want to ask you for our listeners today Give us a few tips, if we're at home this evening or over the weekend, of quick little things we can do that can help. Okay, so things that often generate a lot of waste in our homes and we don't think about it that much is the food that we throw away. And so if we can, and it's not just the food because that can biodegrade, but think about all of the energy and the water and the resources that went into growing that food and packaging it and transporting it to us. So Try, see what you're throwing out on a weekly basis and see if you can incorporate it into other recipes or freeze, so many things freeze. So aim to reduce your food waste. I am, try and buy fruit and veg package free. You can't do it in every store, but some stores are getting better. But I still see people putting a bunch of bananas in a plastic bag. Your bananas don't need to go in a plastic bag. Yes. You can take them without the plastic bag. And you know what I find with sustainable living? These seem like really simple things, like they're not going to save the world. And that's right. But it's a way of looking at things. You do tend to look at things differently when you have the mindset of reducing. Um, And then if you can, there's more and more popping up, but you may have either a zero waste store or a health store in your area that does refills of shampoo or cleaning materials. And that's a great way to reduce the amount of waste that you're mm. generating very easily for no extra money. Yes. So and- there are a few things. And visit a charity shop or check out some vintage pre-loved sellers on Depop or Thriftify or any, or there's loads of very good yes. vintage resellers that I have on the website. So just dip your toe in that and see if there's something that you could buy secondhand instead of new. Yes, and the other thing yeah. I'll remember from today, our conversation is that a lot of clothes are going to incineration and we certainly don't want that. The website is called Living Lightly in Ireland. You've done a wonderful job. I recommend it. Ah, you have. Look it up. Check it out. There's tons of advice there and we can all play our part. Anyway, Elaine, lovely to talk to you. Take care of yourself. You too. Thanks, Jerry. Bye-bye. That's Elaine Butler there from Living Lightly in Ireland. It's time for your riddle on Friday. Are you ready? 086-1800-658 is the WhatsApp or text number you need to get your answers into with your name and details. That's 086-1800-658. Lovely little prize. And you'll be helping the environment if you win this prize today. I promise you from us here on Late Lunch. Here it is. I am something people may love or hate. I change people. If a person takes care of themselves, I generally increase. Some try to hide me, but I always show, and no matter what, I never go down. What am I? Once more, I am something people may love or hate. I change people. If a person takes care of themselves, I generally increase. Some try to hide me, but I always show, and no matter what, I never go down. What am I? That's your riddle on Friday. 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. I think Louise is stumped today. If she's stumped, maybe a few people are. But think about it. And look, don't be lost. I will read it again. Dermot Kennedy's lost, but you won't be. Stay with us on Late Lunch. When everything was broken. Oh, you're struggling with the riddle this Friday. I'm surprised. I'll give it to you once more. This is the last time. Listen carefully. I am something people may love or hate. I change people. 
If a person takes care of themselves, I generally increase. Some try to hide me, but I always show. And no matter what, I never go down. What am I? That's your riddle on Friday, 086-1800-658. You can WhatsApp me your answers, please, with your name and details. Come on. There's quite a few have had a go so far and very few on the on the money in there, I have to say. So keep keep going, keep going, keep the answers coming to me and we have a lovely little prize to send out to one of you this afternoon. Now, we're heading to the States now and joining me is Emily Oster. She's a professor of economics at Brown University in Providence, Rhode Island. She's a mum of two children and author of a number of books on pregnancy and parenting that are honestly considered go-to books for parents and prospective parents alike. Her latest work is called The Family Firm and it navigates the primary school years where her children are at the moment. They're aged 10 and 6. Emily, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. Do you know what I feel about you? I feel, now I don't mean in, in the sense you think, but you're making this up as you go along with your own children. They're the guinea pigs. Is that a fair comment? It's totally right. My daughter asked, are you going to write another book? I said, I don't know. And she said, you have to wait until I'm a teenager to write the book. So I think there's a sense in which, at a minimum, my books are influenced by my own experience. Yes. Now, the preteen years, I don't have to remind you, innocence is fast fading. They now think for themselves. Emotions are really kicking in at this stage. It's a, it's a quite uh, challenging phase. I agree. And I think part of the challenge the book tries to meet is that on top of all of those things, there is so much logistics, that there's so much management of uh, of our kids. And we're sort of trying to have fun and enjoy our time with them. And yet we're spending a lot of time driving them around. And and um, and I think the, the book is really about sort of taking a step back and, and using some more intentionality to try to make sure that our life in this in this time looks like we want it to. There's no one way to parent. Isn't that a fair comment? Despite, you know, what you write and many others as well and people listening today have experience of and will experience. Absolutely. I think there's no one way to parent and there's no one way to want your life to look. And I think part of, uh, you know, but part of the the idea, I think, as parents is to try to really think about, like, what kind of parent do you want to be? Like, what is the relationship you want to be having with your kids. What are what are the things that are most important to you? And I'm not sure we always think through that as much as we should. Your system is firmly based on principles. I see. You know, with, with uh, you know clear decision making coming from that task driven routine timelines, monitoring and feedback. It sounds like a military operation. Listen, man, the household's complicated. <laughs> no, um, so. I mean, I think, you know, you know, for us, that kind of structure is is very helpful. Um, and I think that it, it, you know, generates a sense of consistency and, and expectations. There are there are ways that I think there are some insights here that could be useful, even if your plan is to kind of do, be be much less structured. Um, but I think for us, some of that structure, yes, is, is very helpful in keeping everyone on the same page and and, you know, in, in making it easier for my husband and I, honestly, to share tasks because we kind of know what we're doing and we know where we're going and it makes it easier to say, hey, it's, it's you know, your turn to to do this and not have, you know, one of the people be like, well, I don't know, I don't have any idea how to how to feed the children like you never told me that. 
Mm. And you know, like many people here in Ireland, this last, it's nearly two years at this stage since the pandemic uh, descended on this little planet of ours, many people have been working from home, like yourselves, yourself and your husband. Your children are homeschooling. We've gone through that here as well. Did you find that your system kicked in and was of uh, real assistance in that new new home life? I think both yes and no. So I think a a lot of what I talk about in the book is how to make hard decisions. And one of the things that happened in the pandemic for all of us is there were more hard decisions and unexpected decisions and having a system and a framework for making them has been really helpful. On the flip side, I think there's been a realization that some of the, the, all the structure in the world cannot exactly make there be more hours in the day. Uh, And so there's a humbling aspect of this um, for, for that. But I think there are parts of it were very helpful. Uh, you were able to kick them out of the house, I see, when you had to uh, get onto some sensitive work calls and they had to fend for themselves outside. No, it's true. I used to have, I would get on these work calls and I would tell them it was time for recess and I would put them out in the backyard <laughs> and I'd look out the window and they had these big sticks and they'd just be fighting with sticks. That, you know, so I was telling them, don't hit the house. Just don't hit the house. <laughs> Oh, listen, we've heard multiple stories like that on this end of, on this side of the uh, ocean as well. Um, the other thing made me smile, breakfast time. You know yourself with them at breakfast time, getting them up out of bed in the mornings, getting them to take the breakfast to get ready, you know, and uh, see the day ahead, especially if they're in school and go back to school, which they have gone as well. I laughed with your son. Up at five past seven and a curfew. Breakfast consumed by 7.25 or else. You have to have, listen, uh, you know, in order to get out of the house, you got to get out of the house. You got to have the have the breakfast curfew. But I think, you know, part of this is about thinking about what works for your kids. That for my kids, that kind of of kind of this is the time you have is really effective. And I think, you know, part of the it's actually more effective for one kid than another kid. And so part of the the humbling nature of parenting is you think you're doing a great job with the first kid. You have a system and then you kind of get into the second kid and it's like, oh no, this kid is not this kid is not the same. But but for my kids, the breakfast curfew has been has been a, a good one. <laughs> I think many parents will be adopting it after our conversation today. On the other side of things, then bedtimes. Are you one for rigid bedtimes during school week? Yeah, I am. And I think that I am I am for rigid bedtimes because I think that's a place where the data really tells us that sleep is important for kids. And because kids need to get up uh, in time for, for school there is a lot of value uh, in having that kind of rigid bedtime uh, because it means that they get enough sleep. And we know even small changes in the amount of sleep kids get actually influences, you know, their mood and, and to some extent how they do in school. So, uh, so that's a place where we we stick to a very, very hard line. There was a time in Ireland when there was a saying here, Emily, that said the family that prays together stays together. Um, are you one for the family that eats together, their main meal each evening, you know, being a very important part of cohesion and connection between parents and children and if there are any issues in their lives? So I, I think for us, eating together is, is very important. I think when you look at the, at the data, um, there is a, a, some evidence that, that eating a family meal together is associated with good outcomes, but it's also the case that it's hard to really fully interpret that as, as causal. And, and in fact, other times of connecting with your kids in a sort of concentrated way are probably just as good. For us, it has turned out to be convenient to do that at dinner because we need to eat anyway. Um, so there's a sort of part of this, I think people identifying, is that something that's important to you? Now, 
I want to distinguish between two times here, screen time and social media time. And I know you do as well. You're not one, you know, against them, you know, having their time watching the television or, you know, even online movies or follow up programs or things like that. You're not down on them because of that. They get their time at that, even during the week. Never mind weekends. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that there's a, you know, there's a, a sense in which we try to limit how how much of, like not have them do too much of that because it displaces other things and we'd like our kids to be outside and most people would like their kids to do their homework and so on. Um, but, but I, you know, my kids watch TV every day. Um, mm. And I think it's a part of their, their relaxing. And I, you know, I don't think that there's anything in the evidence that would say that's a problem. Now in social media, before I get into social media itself, all right, access to it on your laptop at home or whatever, but most people access it today on their smartphones. And here's the one about the preteens. And I'm really keen to ask you this from an American point of view. What is the age? When do you give them that phone and allow them onto this WWW? You know, it's like, it's hard. I mean, I think that, you know, a lot of, for a lot of parents, this is kind of the moment of sort of like almost letting them go and, and realizing they'll have these exposures that you can't, that you can't control. And so I think for that reason, it deserves a lot of thought and particularly a lot of thought around how your individual kid will react. You know, there are some kids where they kind of get the phone, they can sort of take it or leave it. They don't really spend, you know, they use it to call their parents if they need to be picked up. For other kids, it becomes a, um, you know, really a, a sort of all absorbing, uh, all absorbing thing in a way that that takes away from other parts of their life. So there is a, a little bit here of, of kind of the push to have parents think about what's going to how is this going to work for your particular kid? And maybe even for saying, try giving them a phone and then, you know, reevaluate in a few months and see whether uh, see you know how they have adapted to it. Can I pin you on an age? What's the ideal age? Is there an ideal age? Does it differ for different circumstances and children? I think it's going to be different for different circumstances and children. I think, you know, around here, we're kind of mostly people are in the range of, you know, sometime around 11 or 12. Mm. Um, but, you know, that's going to that, you know, there are 10 year olds in my kids class who have phones and they're 12 year olds who don't. So. Mm. I don't know. You discuss it brilliantly, may I say, in the book, the pros and cons, and you really lay it out in a very simplistic way that people can follow and then people can make a judgment from there. I will say that on this particular issue. But then the whole thing of being, you know, having the phone in the bedroom, access to anything and everything and the fear people have, you know, of accessing violence, terrorism, pornography, all the, the, the you know, the bad stuff that's out there. How do you marry that with the benefits? I, it's it's really hard. And I think that there's a, you know, this is a, a place where um, as a parent, you know, I think a lot, my kid doesn't have a phone like this. I think a lot about, you know, how much do I want to monitor what she's doing and how much do I want to, uh, to sort of allow her to do those things and trust that if she encounters something that she's uncomfortable with, she'll talk to me about it. And so, you know, I think that that's, um, that's, that's the ultimate, that's sort of the ultimate balance. And I think there's a sense in which you cannot possibly hope to really control that with external control. And so part of that decision about the phone is probably in the space of, you know, if my kid encounters something they're uncomfortable with, will they come to me? And will, you know, will they want to talk about it? Mm. You're never one to uh, shirk the issues. Going back to your book on pregnancy, when you mentioned that, well, a glass of wine or two ain't too bad, even when you're expecting a baby. By God, the medical people came after you, didn't they? They did. And, you know, I think that that was um, there. 
you know, there was a, that was a complicated discussion. I think there's a, there's a difference there in sort of how, how one reads the evidence versus what should the, what should the policy be? And I think a lot of what I talk about in my books is sort of helping people see the evidence and think about, um, and think about, you know, the choices that, that are going to work for them, given what the data really says. And on the teaching side, recently with the pandemic again, you took on the issue of children going back to school, the wearing of masks, the dealing with the dealing with a COVID in a school environment. And again, the teacher lobby went haywire. We're familiar with that, you know, in Ireland as well. Yeah, I mean, I think here, you know, our schools were in many areas of the country closed for the entire school year last year. And, you know, we did a bunch of data collection, I think, ended up arguing pretty forcefully that uh, that schools should be open for in-person learning and that that's important for, um, you know, that's important for, for students. And I think, you know, subsequent analysis has shown both that it is possible to safely reopen schools and that it is very important for kids to be there in person. So, you know, I think in the end, what we were arguing was of a lot of value to kids, but the, the you're definitely correct that it was not everyone's taste. You have a way and it works for you and you uh, put it out there for people to consider. And I have to say, I'm not surprised you are a bestseller with the books you've produced so far. And, you know, your daughter's right uh, when she said to you, uh, what's next, (laughs) ma'am? Into the teenage years, we look forward to that for sure. But you've done a great job, I have to say again with this one. It's called The Family Firm, uh, folks. And it's well worth getting hold of if you have children in the preteen age group. I wish you well and thank you for taking time uh, to join us today from uh, the States. Thank you so much for having me. Not at all. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. That's uh, Emily Oster there. Uh, she's a fantastic lady and I'll tell you, she that woman has balls. She really has. She just doesn't put it to the on many of the big issues. And uh, again, she's back. And, and look what she's doing. She's uh, living through this, working through this with her children and then presenting her experiences and her opinions on it as well. I think it's a terrific concept uh, and you can expect that teenage book will arrive in due course. I want to check how you're doing with the riddle at this stage. Short break, back in a moment. I can still see her in that video dancing around. I think she had a headband on and things in her legs and her flying around the place. Irene Cara and what a feeling from the movie Flashdance. Now LMFM Radio Bingo. Congratulations to Francis Flanagan from Mellifont Cullen who won a whopping €1,200 and Rose Devine from Navin is €400 richer. Next week's jackpot, €5,400. Don't forget you can buy your book for next week's game online or from outlets across the North East. For more information on the bingo, log on to lmfm.ie. Lots of cash winners there. Enjoy your winnings, folks. Louise, I don't think since we started the riddle on Friday, it's fair to say this is the most incorrect answers, yes, we've ever got. Let me give you a sample. Stumped. Yeah, I, I, a lot of people are stumped with it. Anyway, a selection of the wrong answers to the riddle mm. are weight, your teeth, love, your stomach, a smile, exercise and Miss Louise Walsh. Give them your <laughs> suggestion, please. What did you say it was? Breast implants. Now, let me read it. Louise thinks the answer to the riddle is breast implants. <laughs> so let me just, let me context this. I'll read the riddle. I am something people may love or hate. Breast How implants. How could you not love <laughs> breast implants? Are you joking me? I change people. Breast implants. If a person takes care of themselves, I generally increase. Breast implants. <laughs> Some try to hide me. Breast implants. But I always show. Breast implants. And no matter what, I never go down. Breast implants. <laughs> <laughs>
I'm right. I'll take the cup. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever you have. You're this bard. You're a member of the staff. Um, you're not. You know what? It you co- can't argue it, it, with it. 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 I, I find it very hard, but I'll just disqualify you on the word hate. <laughs> uh, I think that rules your breast implants out, to be honest with you. One more time, as they say Some in a low, people low. don't like, you know, adding unnaturally to their body. Mm. Do you remember the royal family uh, when uh, Anthony was getting married to Jim's daughter? Uh, no, Anthony's son, it was Jim's son, was getting married to Emma. And Emma's dad, they had money. Joe, and he came over and the wife. And uh, I forget who it was, famous actress. But he was boasting about everything he had. And when he left the house, Jim went bananas, Jim Royal. That boasting, you know what? He has a box at Man City. He flies in by helicopter. He has a place in Spain. And he bought breast implants for his wife. You'd think I wouldn't have loved to done that for Barbara. <laughs> <laughs> the royal family oh, absolutely brilliant anyway sorry it's not any of those no. all breast implants one more time this is the last time I'm reading it give it a go we have a lovely little prize to give away today I'm something people may love or hate I change people if a person takes care of themselves I generally increase some try to hide me but I always show and no matter what I never go down. What am I? Answers to 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text. Hey Louise. Mm-hmm. Well, you know the church. The <laughs> from breast implants. I was just from say that. breast implants to the house of God. You can't beat <laughs> late lunch. It can be anything. Popery. The collection. The basket. You know the basket go yes. around the church. You know you heard the story anyway. You know what's happening there. Uh, no more baskets. That's no more the baskets. end of it. You, 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 you tap your card now on the yep. way in. A QR code. You use the little tap. The tap and pray. To contribute. Oh, listen, the basket in the church. Memories, memories. Mm. I Did you ever saw, drop one? No, I saw a mm. basket going down a row one day and more money left the basket oh, than went into it. Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, mm. I saw that. I actually saw that for myself. people putting in and taking change. Yeah, yeah I saw people putting <laughs> coins in and a note coming back out. Oh, I never saw that. Did you not? No. Oh, well, I, I saw that. I saw coins going in and a note I've coming back out. I've in a fiver and taking out four euro or whatever. I <laughs> okay. know, oh, the crowd I went to mass with were cuter than that. Oh, yeah. I actually, though, one day, oh, it was years ago, we went to St. Mary's in, in Navin, St. Mary's Church, which is, it's kind of semi-circle, so everybody can see it's mm. kind of designed on an yes. opera house. Yes. And I think it was, it could have been Bishop Smith's first mass as a bishop, but it was some big occasion. The church was jammers. Mm. And myself and my cousin, we were only eight, maybe eight. And the two of us were down at the very, very front row of the balcony overlooking everybody down under. And the collection box went down and it was heaving. <laughs> it was really heaving. And she got it. And whatever way, like she stand up to take it like it was so heavy. Oh, no. She stumbled. And, and it was like pennies from heaven. It went over the it balcony. Went over the side. <laughs> yeah. It's raining money. Praise the Lord, the priest said. He could just <laughs> hear it up on the altar. Indeed, he could. Hallelujah. And then I remember when I was an altar boy. I was an altar boy, you know, at one stage. I was in the Dominican church <laughs> that I now gone from Drogheda. I was. Did you say mass? I was. <laughs> on well, stage. well, they say to me I could today anyway. But uh, <laughs> I was an altar boy there. And I remember after the midday mass on Sunday, uh, when everyone was gone, we used to go round the church, right? Oh. And what you're talking about, we'd find the coins under 
the pews. People would drop a coin or whatever, putting it in. And I'll tell you one thing. Did you make a fortune? It was nice to learn enough for the altar boys. <laughs> it's like down the back of a couch. Yeah, down we the back found of the them underneath. And we used to have a few bob then that we could go to the shop on the way home and collect our football cards and stickers and get a an ice cream and a few thing toffees to... But you've gotten that much. Oh, you would. Yeah, we'd get the, enough toffees to rot the teeth in your head. Of course you would. Yeah, into your father's type of shop or my mother-in-law shop to spend your money or whatever. But we made money as altar boys in the church underneath the pews. Yes, Can't we did. Can't do that anymore. Oh, jeepers. All the, the pure altar has, boys won't be able to do that now. ended all that and there's no dipping anymore either. Oh, there <laughs> you go. Anyway, the church is moving with the times. Late lunch, LMFM radio and after the break, Katrina Callahan. By God, can this woman bake a cake. She's joining us next. They say the way to a man's heart is through his stomach, especially when it comes to the sweet stuff. I couldn't disagree. My next guest, well, she developed a business and she's been teaching people how to bake and cook and more besides and then Covid hit and now can I say she's a non-line sensation? Katrina Callahan from the Bunnery outside Kells is on the line. Hello Katrina. Hi, Jerry. How are you? I'm really good. Is that true or is it nonsense? Um, to a man's heart, through his stomach. Do you agree or disagree with that? I don't know. You'd have to. You'd have to ask the man. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's true, and especially in your case, for sure. Welcome to the show. You're a great story. You really are. Farming background. Tell us the story of the bacon and how it began. Um, well, I suppose growing up, I was never hugely into cooking and baking. Um, I grew up on a farm, so being outside was much more preferred by me than being in the kitchen. Um, it wasn't until I had kids of my own that I started, obviously, had to cook for them. And I started making their birthday cakes and, you know, different occasion cakes. And I always would have been quite into art. So I loved the whole, you know, designing and art kind of end of it. And quickly realized that the cakes tasted really good as well. So friends started asking me to make cakes for them. And I set up a little business working from home. So I made wedding cakes, birthday cakes, novelty cakes. And I did that for a few years until COVID hit. And then, of course, like most else in the world, you had to move and shake and adapt, etc. But it really did. It knocked you off kilter for a while, didn't it? Yeah, well, I suppose, um, you know, people were not going, people weren't having parties and weren't having, you know, celebrations as such. Obviously, people still had birthdays, but it was a much smaller affair. So people didn't want big cakes. Um, So, yeah, there was no no need for cakes. All my orders were cancelled, you know, overnight, kind of when we went into lockdown. And a friend of mine jokingly said, uh, oh, God, she says, you know, you'll have to start um, showing us how to make our own stuff. Hmm. And my kids were home from school and we were busy lambing. We have sheep and they came in one day and wanted to make scones. And I decided to photograph what they were doing. And I just popped it up on my Facebook page, kind of not thinking much of it. And that reached over 800,000 people. (laughs) (laughs) You are a sensation. You are 800,000. And that was only the initial one as well. My God, you were you were obviously blown away with this. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I hadn't. It was very overwhelming. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't expect. I thought, you know, they're just scones, you know. Mm. Um, So then probably I suppose to keep us occupied and for something for us to do um and because there was so many people interested I started um putting up little recipes and 
step-by-step pictures along the way um most days or every second day kind of thing and they were just getting a huge reaction from everywhere like um it was crazy yeah and uh, you know then uh family quizzes on zoom led you down another road Yes. So people then started asking, people wanted to learn how to make their own cakes. Mm. So I set up private groups on Facebook for adults and showed them how to make their own celebration cakes. But kids are obviously not on social media or younger ones shouldn't be. (laughs) So family Zoom quizzes kind of, um, yeah, introduced me to Zoom and I advertised and started doing kids summer camps last summer with children live through Zoom. Mm. And that just yeah took off from there so I hear you're popular in New York and in Austria and Germany uh, even though the time differences are pulling people out of bed at all hours of the morning yeah we've had I've had a good few um, groups of families in particular you know where people couldn't travel so they couldn't meet and see each other I've had cousins doing summer camp together with me one is in Belgium and one is in Ireland and families where you know people are all over the world and they'd all arranged a zoom call at the same time they'd come on and cook along with me adults and kids and then I'd kind of go off and leave them to uh whatever you know and it's it's great it's it's was ways of families connecting and all doing the same thing and taking part in the same thing isn't it amazing one door closes another opens yeah <laughs> it really did for you that sums you up you know as you kept, you've come to something that probably you'd never have possibly considered without the pandemic um, I always had at the back of my hand that head that I'd love to have some sort of a cookery school. Yes. I'm not a professional chef. I'm yeah. self-taught, yeah. but I always thought, but there was just too many things in the way. Mm. I mean, cost, insurance. And then logistically, I suppose you can only um, have customers that are within driving distance. Whereas now I have customers from all over the world and... I can do it in my own home kitchen and they're cooking in their own home kitchen, which I think is a huge advantage to people as well, because they're not learning in a big fancy, you know, yes. commercial kitchen. They've got their own equipment um, and they're all their own stuff. I was really conscious during COVID of people not being able to go out and shop much. So like most of the ingredients can be got in your local shop and also really conscious of the fact that people didn't have a huge pile of equipment. And so I brought everything down to as basic as possible. But it seems to have worked. The world's your lobster, as they say. It certainly (laughs) is. And uh, you're actually now you're into the savoury as well, besides the sweet stuff. You say you are uh, self-taught. Just come back. What's the easiest way to rustle up a lovely scone? Come on, in in a a minute. Tell us how to do a lovely and and give it a go. Now you're putting me on the spot. Go on. <laughs> flour, I eggs. I don't even have measurements in my head. No, don't, you don't even have to give that. What's the, we need flour, we need eggs, we need milk. Is that it? So we need flour, eggs, milk and a spoon of sugar. Oh, very important. Yeah. Yes. Very important. Spoon okay, and sugar. just mix the whole lot, put them into little blobs in the tray or whatever and into the oven so for a long. Into the oven for about 10 or 12 minutes. That's, that's it. it. And yep. that's the simplest little scone you'll do and they'll be lovely. Yep. Yeah, delicious. <laughs> um, when when it comes to cakes, and now look, I've told them this before. I have a real penchant for a carrot cake. Do you do carrot cakes? Have you done them? No, never. No. <laughs> oh my god! Now there's one. I'm giving you a little task here. Now do a carrot cake. Carrot 
Because I don't like it. <laughs> you see, um, <laughs> you see, I love them. Do a carrot cake, will you? Promise I think, me sometimes. Vegetables should be kept on the dinner <laughs> plate, not in cakes. <laughs> oh, jeez, I'll tell you, I die for a carrot cake. I'll tell you another one, love. Cherry cake? You never cooked a cherry cake? No. 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 Oh, I'm, I'm lost here. Madeira? No. Yeah, I've done that. Ah, thank yeah. God. I was about yeah. to fall off the chair here with the hunger if you hadn't have said yes to one of them. Did you ever hear of a tipsy cake? No, well, never. there you go. There you go. There's a little bit of alcohol in it, as you can imagine. But look, <laughs> at, um, you, you know, there's a, such an array. I'm only being facetious here with a few yeah. that's in my head. But look at the, the amount of uh, uh, variations in baking there are from the humble scone through to the wonderful uh, occasion cakes that you are such a dab hand at. Do you see <laughs> that business, just to ask you while you're with me, you know, uh, yeah. you know, with weddings coming back and please God opening up into next year, will you be back down that road? I don't think so. Right. Um, I'm okay. loving what I'm doing at the moment and I'm so busy. I don't have time. So like it would be either one or the other for me. And um, at the moment, I, I love what I'm doing. Doing cakes is fine when you're at home, but you have no contact with like other people. Yeah. Now I'm I have people on Zoom calls every day and I'm doing classes. And even though I'm at home and I'm working by myself, I still feel like you know, I'm not on my own. Yes. Um, and I much prefer that. So, yeah, I can't see myself going back down the cake road. There you but go. But I'll, I'll still make them for family and yes. friends and really enjoy doing it. Like, yeah. So. Do you do the Christmas cake and the puddings and that? Are they part of what you do or do you leave Yeah, them? like yeah. My, my house would have been like Willy Wonka's chocolate factory <laughs> here for the last few Christmases <laughs> when I was making cakes. Chocolate biscuit puddings were, were oh. a huge hit. Yeah. But, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm much preferring what I'm doing at the moment mm. and... And it's just so busy. I, I wouldn't have time. Yeah. Our See, Louise. Cakes takes an awful lot of time. Ah, uh, you can the imagine. Hours that come yes, into it. yes. And the special creations and the, the yeah. customised things you're asked to do. I can only imagine what goes into them. Our Louise wants to know what's your favourite cake to make? Mine, lemon drizzle. Oh, no, yeah, you're talking. I love lemon drizzle cake. Yeah. yeah. And 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 I'm more of a savory person though, so I oh, prefer savory. Yeah. yeah. And and what would you prefer in the savory line? What's your favorite in the savory line of things? Um anything like instead of having cake I'd love to have cheese. I, give me a cheese board over a dessert any day. But um mm. yeah, anything really pasta Stir fries, steak. I I prefer savory. There you go. Yeah. Well, I'd have to say, to be absolutely honest with you, that that'd be my line of thinking as well. Cheesecake. Did you ever make cheesecake? Yes, I did. We only had we only had Peter Kay on yesterday, having the laugh, you know, about the cheesecake and that funny comedy sketch that he did as well. It just came to mind. Anyway. You are away on a wonderful worldwide journey, Katrina Callan. And just will you remind them your website is the bunnery dot? So the, it's the bunneryonline.com and I'm on Facebook and Instagram as the bunnery. And I'm writing my ebook at the moment. It's nearly finished. So that's launching on the 6th of September. So Brilliant. that's kind of a selection of everyday recipes. Oh. Really simple and suitable for kids and adults. Good on you. Well done to you. You're a shining example of somebody who's just picked up from a difficult situation and really made the most of it. The bunneryonline.com and the bunnery across social media. And watch out for that first ebook, 6th of September. Katrina Callahan, keep on baking those lovely things and doing the savouries. Thank you for joining me.
Thanks, Jerry. Take care of yourself. Bye-bye. Isn't she a great story? She really is. And we wish her well. It's been a shocking 24 hours on our roads. I think of all the families, and I mentioned it yesterday, affected by the loss of life. Four in Galway last evening and two here in the northeast yesterday, close to Dulic in County Meath. And yesterday afternoon, I referred to it late on the show, and I was quite emotional, and I'm going to tell you why. Because back in May of this year, I interviewed a little lad called Alex Conroy. You might remember him. He was 12 years of age. He is 12. And he was with Drogheda United in Bally Buffet. They were playing Finn Harps and they scored a last minute goal. And this little fella ran out on the pitch with all the players. And he was jumping around with them and it went wild uh, online. And we tracked him down through his dad, David Conroy, who set up the chat with his son, Alex. And... When it was finished, I sent them on the little podcast of the interview and David came back to me and thanked me sincerely for it. And he was such a nice man. Well, David Conroy was one of the men, and I think of the other gentleman as well, who lost his life in that tragic accident outside Dulic yesterday. He was deeply involved with Leytown United Football Club and he was coached to Drogheda United's under-14 team. And I'm joined today by Joanna Byrne, who's the director of Drogheda United. Hello, Joanna. Good afternoon, Jerry. This is such a sad time. Who would ever have thought yesterday morning, you know, when those people headed off to go about the business of the day, that two lives would be lost. But David Conroy, he was becoming a big, big part of the Drogheda United family. Yeah, it, it's it's a very tragic event and... Um David's passing yesterday has been a devastation blow to Drogheda United as a club. Um, as, as many people around um, heading to Game Park would know David as the dad of Alex, and 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 I remember that story you, you've just shared with us there, and it's it's one of the happier memories that we'll we'll all hold close and dear. But David was also a coach with our youth academy, and and very well loved and respected by all the players and staff that he, that he worked with in our youth structures um you know he he was he was he was just one of one of life's great guys you know he he was an all-round sportsman who had an infectious love for football and of course um for Drogheda United but but it would be remiss of me not to mention his beloved Leytown United as well um David I believe was a co-founder of of Leytown United and and they have 300 kids um, training and, and playing matches week in, week out, out there. And, and, and since his involvement with Drogheda United over the last couple of years, you know, he was crucial um, to developing pathways for young players from East Mead to, to start playing um, with our youth academy. And many of our under-15s team at the moment have, have progressed through the younger structures in Leytown. Um, but this whole thing is, is, is it's, you know, it's 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 massive because it's developed Drogheda United as a club out into the whole East Mead area. It, it's built bonds and and pathways for development in youth football, and you know, it's it, it's all down to David. Um, credit to him, and it it will be part of his lasting legacy. And um, that he's opened up them pathways for kids out there. What a wonderful tribute that is, Joanna. What a what a wonderful tribute that is, Joanna, to, to uh, David uh, today. Thanks for those lovely words. But I have to say, um, you know, when you take a man like David Conroy, who you know, who gives of his time, 
uh, as a dad, but as a man that gives of his time to so many other youngsters as well, and who's, you know, come to the fore in recent times with the, with the League of Ireland club as well. He was a real giver, and I know I want to say this as well. He was a man who travelled. He, he went to, to, uh, with Alex to all of the Drogheda away games. Match, yeah. Wherever you've seen Alex, um, Alex, um, I, I should point out to your listeners that Alex is part of the United social media team, um, and he's very, very passionate, and he's got great potential for the future. But he's very passionate about the club and loves to be interviewing the players, and he's he's part of that match night, um, development and promotion of the games and. David was a fantastic support to Alex. Wherever Alex was, David was right by his side, encouraging him and, and promoting him. And, you know, he was incredibly proud of, of Alex and his involvement with Drogheda United. And I was reading some of the tributes uh, online this morning to David from parents of children both involved in Drogheda and Laytown. And, you know, a lot of them pointed out that while he was developing kids on the pitch in his role as a coach, he gave so, so many of them... Um, confidence, he instilled confidence in them off the pitch, taught them discipline and taught children how to overcome disappointment, which you and I know, Jerry, as, as Drogheda United fans, <laughs> comes more times than not, you know, and he, he was he was so essential to that part of children's development, both sides of the town with the two clubs. And, and, and I think, you know, if it's some sort of um, solace to his family that that is a legacy that he's going to be leaving, leaving behind and, and I really hope that it will be some small comfort to his family as, to, as they try to get over this tragedy but he has touched so many children's lives and, and, and I think that will live on you know after him my God, it will. And I know that you and all the people at Drogheda and at Laytown United will ensure that his legacy lives on. But I was numb, I have to say. I say that again yesterday when I heard this. Really, really numb. And I think of little Alex, who I spoke to. I think of his wife and children and family and all who've been just devastated by this loss. And I pray for them here today that, you know, they may receive comfort from the, the man above because they need it at this time. They really do. But Joanna, it, lovely words I say to you again. And we remember David Conroy, the other gentleman who lost his life in that accident and the four people who died on the roads of Galway last evening. It's been a shocking dark 24 hours in this country. Joanna, thank you for joining me. Thanks, Jerry. David Conroy, we remember him today, a wonderful man. Cheers to the ones that we got. Cheers to the wish you were here, but you're not. Cause the drinks bring back all the memories of everything we've been through. Toast to the ones that today. To the ones that we lost on the way Cause the drinks bring back all the memories And the memories bring back Memories bring back your There's a time that I remember When I did not know no pain When I believed in forever And everything would stay the same Now my heart feel like December When somebody say your day Cause I can't reach out to call you But I know I will one day Everybody hurts sometimes, everybody hurts someday eh, eh. But everything gon' be alright, gonna raise a glass and say eh. Cheers to the ones that we got, cheers to the wish you were here but you're not Cause the dreams bring back all the memories of everything we've been through Toast to the 
riddle on Friday. I am something people may love or hate. I change people. If a person takes care of themselves, I generally increase. Some try to hide me, but I always show, and no matter what, I never go down. What am I? I'm your age. Age was the answer I'm looking for. Thank you so much to everybody who had a go, right, wrong answers, and you name it, and even the person who gave us the breast implants answer. <laughs> Our Louise Walsh. Anyway, age was the answer I was looking for. Jacinta Grant, Kilcurry, well done to you. A little gift on the way. Thank you for taking part, and we'll bring you another riddle on late lunch next Friday. Now, my artists of the week are you too, and we bring the curtain down on the wee story. My take on it today. The best halftime show in Super Bowl history. So they say about you too in 2002, the year after the 9 11 attacks on the States. That year, they also picked up four Grammy Awards and released their second compilation album. So all their previous hits, a selection of them, were on that album. Back to the studio, How to Dismantle an Atomic Bomb came out in 2004, the next one, followed by No Line on the Horizon in 2009. And then Songs of Innocence and Songs of Experience completed U2's studio album set this far. There may be more. I expect there will. Since they hit the scene in the 80s, you two have championed and campaigned as a group and individually on issues like alleviating poverty, famine, disease and social injustice, the cancellation of debt in poorer countries, education around AIDS and assisting those most impacted by environmental catastrophes. They've made their mark with governments around the world too, lobbying for the voiceless. They've raised and contributed enormous sums of money across a wide spectrum of life. They are second only, did you know this, to the Rolling Stones in ticket sales for their gigs. They're regarded as one of the greatest pop rock acts of all time. Their songs were on the money. That's what they had. Their songs resonated with people of all ages right around this little planet of ours. Inductees into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And they're Irish. Yes, our boys did really good. And I sign off today with a song that resonates yesterday, today and tomorrow. You too, my artists of the week. Signing off on them today with Stuck in a Moment. Absolutely fabulous. Ah, they're just just the best. Simply The Edge, Bono, Larry Mullen and Adam Clayton. Well done to them. And uh, they've achieved so much in their lifetimes. And they've really put Ireland on the map in so many ways as well. And uh, we do appreciate their music and what they've done for so, so many people in this world. Late lunch, LMFM radio, final break of the week on the show and as is our want each Friday at this time in the company of Leon Blanche from Boyle Sports we look ahead to soccer and GAA in a moment. Friday afternoon, time for a look at the big clashes this weekend in sport and back with us on Late Lunch once more. It's Leon Blanche, the communications manager with Boyle Sports. Hello again, Leon. 
Good afternoon, Jerry. How are you? I'm good. Thanks very much for joining us on the show. Let's uh, start with the League of Ireland tonight and the third loud derby of the season. Dundalk have won the first two and look, both of them side by side in the table and the form not great in the league. Form not great in the league, Jerry. However, I thought it was a better performance by Drogheda against Shamrock Rovers. They only got beaten 1-0, um, but it was a, an improved um, performance from the side considering how easily they got beaten by Derry prior to that. Dundalk, on the other hand, they got beaten by Derry 1-0 as well. So both teams going into it, not with a lot of form. Dundalk, as you said, have won the opening two. Um, looking at them on the table, they're only one place separates the two of them. Drogheda are currently three points ahead of Dundalk, but Dundalk have got the two games in hand. I think Drogheda would be happy with a draw. I think it's going to be a tight game, but Dundalk at home, their favourites, probably rightly so. And they've done a lot better in recent times compared to Drogheda. But still, there's not a lot to separate these two teams, Jerry. I'm going to go for a draw. Let's move to the Premier League on Sunday. And Arsenal, well, last week, they were abject against Brentford. They're at home to Chelsea, who look good already. They've signed Lukaku this week. He'll make his debut in a way win, Leon. It looks that way, Jerry. But, I mean, you and I spoke about this, I think, last season when Arsenal actually beat Chelsea. Um, at home and no one really gave them a chance uh, prior to that game actually taking place so it's a tricky one for Arsenal they got bullied last week they're centre-halves by Ivan Tony from Brentford now they're up against Lukaku and as you said he knows the Premier League he's going to make his debut Chelsea create an awful lot of chances Timo Werner we saw the reason why um, Thomas Tuchel has gone out and spent nearly £100 million on a new centre-forward because Werner just doesn't um, finish off the chances. He gets into positions, but it's not good enough. I'm going to go with Chelsea here, Jerry. I do feel this Chelsea squad is very strong. Tuchel has done a remarkable job so far. We have a €10 Euro free bet on the game um, if your bet loses. So go for something at a bit of a price. I'm going for Lukaku to score first and, and Chelsea to win 3-1. Now, the other game I'd like to talk about in the Premier League this weekend is so interesting. Nuno has taken over at Spurs. He said goodbye to Wolves, where he did a great job for a number of years. And he takes his new side, who lost, uh, surprisingly, in the Europa Conference uh, last evening, to Wolves. This is an intriguing tie. It's a very, very interesting tie. Yes, look, I mean, I suppose the transfer saga of the summer is going to be, will Harry Kane stay or will Harry Kane go? Um, looking at it, you'd say if Man City really want their man, they're probably going to spend big and go with an offer that they cannot refuse. So it, it, it's, it's an intriguing game. Wolves are struggling, Jerry, to score goals. They really are. They, they, they don't create an awful lot. Um, it's a big season because they've got a new manager in there um, in terms of Bruno. He's another Portuguese guy. But it's going to take him a little bit of time, I feel, to actually get used to the Premier League. I'm going to go at Wolves to win this one, even though it was a surprise result in the Europa Conference League. But when you kind of look at the team that uh, Nuno put out, there's a lot of those players wouldn't be in the first 11. And that reason means, I think, the guys who played against Man City, they did a very good job on City last week. Don't expect a lot of goals. But I think Spurs will probably get the job done. And don't be surprised if it's another 1-0 win. 
And to finish off today, well, it's a huge Sunday in GAA. It's the hurling final and what a championship it's been this year. This is a mouth-watering prospect. Limerick against Cork. Limerick the favourites. They've done it in recent times. Cork have been absent from the winner's enclosure for years now. But this is a young Cork team. Is it a year too early for them? Um, look, they're underdogs, Jerry, But I think they're going into this final with a free shot. All, all the pressure is off them. They've made it to a final. They have to get through extra time. But you know what really impressed me about that Cork team was... They threw away a six or seven point lead against Kilkenny. The Cats got the draw. They forced them into extra time, but Cork stepped up another gear. Cork are a very, very talented team, but you mentioned it and you're 100% right. When you look at Limerick, they're going for three out of the last four All-Irelands. There's a reason they're favourite. They've got a tremendous squad and if the players in the first 15 are not doing it, the lads coming off the bench are just as good. However, I'm not saying Cork will win the All-Ireland, but plus five points at even money. I think it's a very nice head start. I think this is going to be a cracker of a game because Cork have a lot of pace. They've got very nimble forwards. The big two question marks for me is, can this Cork full back line try and stop the Limerick full forward line? And then on the other side, again, can Cork find that space around the half forward line to knock the ball over the bar. They scored a couple of goals when these sides met in the league. Limerick put up 33 points on that occasion. I think it's going to be a high-scoring game, Jerry, and I hope it's in an enthralling uh, contest, which I think it will be, but I do feel Limerick just have that little bit more experience and will get over the line, but I think it's going to be one hell of a game. Liam McCarthy for the Treaty County, says Leon Blanche. Leon, thank you so much again. We'll talk to you in a week's time. Have a great weekend, Jerry. I can't wait for the hurling final. It's going to be a wonderful game. I'm sure of it and made the best team win. But uh, one of the highlights of the year, the All-Ireland hurling final. And don't forget, Dundalk and Drogheda United, the Loud Derby tonight. You can listen live here on lmfm.ie or on the app. Adrian Tapp bringing the commentary from Oriel Park this evening. That's it, Louise, for another week. We're done. We're done for another week. Just want to just cut across you there for a minute just to say... Um, Thank you to Linda Malone, who just WhatsApped in. Jerry, you probably didn't see it. To say thank you, Jerry, for playing you too. You made her week. Ah, oh, isn't that lovely? Delighted to Linda and uh, oh, they're sensational. They really are. And we'll have a new, brand new artist of the week for you after three o'clock coming up next week. But it'll be hard to top you two at all uh, of all the uh, ones featured. I have to say that. Thanks, Linda, for those lovely words. Anyway, big thank you to all our guests who joined us during the week. To you, Louise. Thanks a million for everything. Couldn't do this without you. And to our listeners who join us every day, join in the conversation, send us messages, etc. We really love you. Thanks so much for being with us each day on Late Lunch each afternoon. Eddie Caffrey's coming next with The Drive. Have a nice weekend. It is going to be wet. But remember, you heard it here from Monday on. Yes, it's going to get really good and warm again. Can't wait for it. Anyway, see you Monday, please God, at half one. Take care. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors, Drogheda, Dundalk and Cavan. Discover the all-new Renault traffic at Blackstone Motors and get a five-year warranty and low APR with same-day business finance. Call our van specialist Danny today. See blackstonemotors.ie It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. 
You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.